0: Good morning again. He is good, is he not? <clears throat> Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me this morning. <clears throat> Man, I have I have really enjoyed looking over, studying through, <clears throat> preaching through some things about the church. You know, it's amazing to me as I look at what God's Word has to say about the church, just how far we've kind of fallen from the understanding of the church. Uh, I mean, literally, in general, overall, uh, there's kind of a bad taste about the church, even within the church, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? I mean, it's funny to me to hear people talk bad about the church when Scripture, for the most part, has incredible things to say about the church. Not bad things, not hopeless things, not negative things, but great things about the church, It's amazing to me to hear people that are born-again believers, or so-called born-again believers, talk about how they see the church as irrelevant today. You know, we talked about that a a few weeks ago. We talked about Ephesians chapter 1, where it says that we are the body of Christ, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. And how we talked about the fact that as Christ is filling all in all in this world, to accomplish His will in this world, literally in every area of Of every nation, every life, every heart, every purpose, everything, the fullness of Him doing that is the church. In other words, He's working in us and through us to accomplish that work. That's incredible. Nothing irrelevant about that today, no matter what anyone says or what anyone claims, right? We talked a couple weeks ago about this call in Ephesians 4 to implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, and talking about striving for that unity of the spirit and the bond of peace how god has called us that that call to walk in a manner worthy of the calling is that that example of the scales whereby we've been called with such a deep call in jesus christ out of death and into life that our walk ought to be in a balance at least with the understanding of who we are in christ jesus that we might walk together i mean our walk is important and the church is important It's incredible to me to think of the potential of the church, because I don't think we do very often. I think we spend most of our time thinking about what's going on between us and God, or us and the world, and everybody else is at best second fiddle, but most of the time we don't even consider one another, right? We don't consider how we can impact another believer, or how we can impact a lost person, and we certainly don't consider how the church as a body can be used by God to transform this world. We just don't give it that much consideration. Matter of fact, we've talked about this often over the years that I've been here, about how we've fallen into this consumer mentality when we get up and we come together as the body of Christ. The consumer mentality that says, what do you got for me today? And the consumer mentality that says, well, listen, man, if you aren't a great preacher on this Sunday, I can go hear great preaching on the web or i can go hear great preaching on tv or i can go hear great preaching on the radio so you better perform well preacher boy the music better be good right preacher even younger boy uh you know whatever we want to say we better shape up or we're shipping out because it's all about us what do you got for my kids what do you got for me you know, how are you going to feed me? What are you going to do for me? How are you going to comfort me? How are you going to pat me on the rear end so I feel better about myself? Blah, 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 It's all about me. Isn't that what happens? Isn't that what we have made the church today in America at least? I don't know. Some of you are going, well, I hope not. Well, I hope not too. I really do. I hope not for not just our sakes, but for the kingdom of God's sake and for the world that's lost and dying's sake. Because honestly, God has called us to something far more powerful than just this selfish individual attitude and relationship with Jesus Christ. He's called us to be a part of his body. And it's awesome. As we look at this passage of scripture this morning, we're going to talk about building the body. And what God has done to enable his body to to grow, and if you are truly born again here this morning, you're a part of it. So as we read this scripture this morning, I want to ask you, even before we go any further, what part are you actively taking in building the body? Do you know? Can you identify it? Do you care? Because if you can't, you need to let God speak to your heart this morning. Let Him begin to put us in a place where He wants us to be for His glory. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. <clears throat> but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, He led captive a host of captives, and He gave gifts to men. <clears throat> now this expression, He ascended, what, is it, what does it mean except that He also has descended into the lower parts of the earth he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I want to come this morning and just praise you for all that you are. I praise you, Lord, that you are far above all rule and authority and dominion. I praise you, Lord, that according to Ephesians 4, our great God has put in subjection under the feet of Jesus all things and given him as head of his church. I praise you, Lord, that the body of Christ is far more than a casual gathering, it's certainly more than a building or some property. It's far more than just a place where an individual can come, either be encouraged or convicted or uh, whatever they come for. Father, I. it's far more than that. It's your body. It is... It is the group, the fellowship, the source that you use to transform this world. And Father, I pray that we would recognize the power that's available to us as we walk together under the headship of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those that are here this morning that don't know you as Lord and Savior, that your word teaches are apart from the body of Christ without hope, and without God in this world. Pray, Lord, that even today you might draw them to salvation. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you be exalted in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This passage of Scripture comes after that great teaching about the unity, right? One body, one hope of the calling with which you've been called. Um, Let me make make sure I get this all right. <clears throat> I forgot one in here. Uh, one Lord, one Spirit is one I forgot. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is above all and through all and in all. That great teaching that we had a couple of weeks ago about just the unity of who we are in Jesus Christ as the body. This verse 7 comes right after that and it's interesting because it begins to describe how God has given gifts to the individual members within the body. I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about verses 7 through, through 10. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about those verses. There's a lot of controversy about those verses. A lot of confusion about those verses. But they're, they're fairly simple. truth is, is that in the body, Christ Jesus has given specific grace to, according to the measure of His gifts. That grace and those gifts that they're talking about are the spiritual gifts that most of us have heard about for a long time. But these are gifts that were given... By the power of Jesus Christ to work in you to accomplish His will and to build up His kingdom. Now the crazy thing about spiritual gifts just in this brief moment is that for most believers in America today, we don't find those gifts a blessing because we find those gifts a burden, right? If we actually have a gift from God, that means He actually wants us to serve Him. And if he actually wants us to serve him, then we actually have accountability to God. If we have accountability to God, it surely can't be a blessing. It surely must be a burden because we got enough on our plate already and surely God wouldn't ask us to do more. Amen? No amens on that one? Are you sure? Because when was the last time you said to God, man, I know you've given me a spiritual gift, Lord, and I'm excited about it because it's a blessing. I get to work with the rest of the church. I get to fit my gift into the rest of the church. I get to be a part of what you want to do. I get to see your kingdom built. I get to spend some more time. I get to sacrifice a little more of myself. I get to be used by you for your glory, Lord. Woo! Thanks for the gift. When was the last time you did that? See, we don't do that, right? Because we've, we've kind of, we've kind of forgotten the privilege that it is. Not only to be born again, and please don't ever forget, don't ever forget the privilege that it is to be called by Christ, to be humbled by God, be drawn to the Savior, and to be made new through the blood of Jesus. Don't ever forget that gift. That's a gift that you didn't deserve, nor did I. But don't you think for a minute, that the fact that God would equip you through the power of His Spirit to serve Him for His glory is not just as much a gift. It's an incredible gift that you would be allowed to carry the name of Jesus for His glory anywhere and in any way. So he begins by saying that, look, unity is not uniformity. Unity comes as you and I receive the gifts of Jesus Christ and serve them together. That's just kind of in a nutshell Verses 8 through 10 talk a little bit. It's kind of parenthetical about Christ's right to give gifts, right? He has the right to give gifts because he descended and overcame his enemy and then ascended again victoriously. Now that's a short version of that, but here's the picture. He's the conquering king. In the ancient of days when the king conquered, he came back to his city and he brought all of the the. Gifts, if you will, all of the things that he had conquered and brought with him. And he began to give them out to his people and to his city as blessings. And that's a simple picture that we're talking about here. Christ has the right to give gifts to his children because he overcame sin and death and Satan and judgment and gives gifts to his children. And then it says, if you go on down, verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And he begins to say, I've given some as gifts to the church. These four offices, if you will, these four descriptions of gifts are gifts that he's not only given to individuals, he's gifted these men to do these ministries, but he's given these men as gifts to the church. Now you talk about a complete 180 degree of understanding the fact that we could accept the reality that god has given in our life people to enable us to serve god is a 180 today don't you think because i'll be honest with you you know i've been in i've been in this ministry for a long time i've served the lord for a long time as a pastor and <laughs> it's not it's not always real common that people consider me a gift to them. I'll just be honest with you. And uh, that may be my fault at some pretty base levels, I don't know. But I'll just be honest with you as well, it's a real deep problem within the body of Christ. It's not just my problem. It's a real deep body within the body of Christ in America because we have decided that we are so independent once again that we don't really need anybody to teach us and we don't really need anybody to equip us and we certainly don't need anybody to challenge us and we certainly don't need anybody to convict us and we certainly don't need anybody to present our fault our faults or our failings to us we certainly don't need anybody that has authority in our life we really don't believe we need anybody but that's not what this passage of scripture says According to the word of God, God gave some as apostles. And listen, there's all kinds of thoughts about what this means as apostles. Uh, In a very base sense, it certainly means the apostles that were called by Jesus Christ, the original twelve, minus obviously Judas and bringing in Paul later on. These men that were the foundation of the church as Christ was the cornerstone. It certainly means that those men were gifts to equip the church. It certainly could mean some other men who are called out to special tasks, but without a doubt a special role within the body of Christ. Prophets were those who would foretell some truths of God or foretell. Today it's more foretell to teach the truth of God's Word since we really don't need any additional revelation according to the Word of God. Those that are given by God to speak the truth and to teach and to add revelation at times of need. And then there were the evangelists, we kind of get that, right? Those who were gifted by God to share the gospel that men and women might be saved. And of course, that role can be various ways, but specific people to equip the church. And then pastors and teachers, some believe that's the same role, some believe it's two. really doesn't make any difference. The truth is, is that God has given the church specific gifts in order for the church to carry out the work of God. Now, maybe that's not a revelation to you, but I, I almost guarantee that the understanding of that truth is seldom applied within the body of Christ today. The understanding that God has placed in the body of Christ men to equip that the church might do the work of the service is the craziest thought. Because somehow we've, again, come to this place where, man, we don't feel obligated for much. We certainly don't feel like there's a gift from God that we need to kind of listen to and learn from and be equipped by. We have all these crazy ideas about what we will allow to take place in our life and what we won't. We have certain limits, if you will, placed in our mind and our heart that nobody's allowed to invade We have certain parameters that we won't cross even in our own lives. We just have got it all set up in our own lives as to how we're going to live and what we're going to listen to and how we're going to be trained and how we're going to respond to God. I'm I'm telling you, I see it all the time. The craziest thoughts within the body of Christ about what believers will and will not do. But I've also got to tell you, as we looked at discipleship last week, we talked about the fact that God didn't call us to be Christians. He called us to be disciples. Which means those that would follow Jesus Christ and be conformed to his image. I've got to tell you that many that claim to be born again today do not model that understanding of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Many within the body of Christ today have no desire to be a disciple. What they want is they want a puppet God. They want a God that they can put their hand inside and make Him do what they want Him to do. And if we're going to see God do the work within the body of Christ that He desires to do today, we better we better change our view of God. And we better begin to understand that His way of leading within the body of Christ is the only way of leading within the body of Christ. And that we are to subject ourselves to His way and do it His will. Amen on that one. Man, it says here that He's given these men, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service. Man, I love that thought. God has given me specifically, and and Nick and Jason and Brian, as the leaders, as the pastors of this church, for the equipping of the saints. That means I'm here to enable you to do what God has called you to do. I'm not here for you to tell me to do what God has called you to do. Did you know that? That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here for your beck and call. I'm not here for you to tell me you don't want to serve the Lord, so since you don't want to, why don't I do it for you? I'm not here for you to tell me to get busy and get that ministry done, and get busy and get that ministry done, and get busy and get this thing done. I don't have the time. I couldn't have the time if I spent 24 hours a day doing everything that you need to do. I wouldn't have the time for all that God has raised up. And honestly, I spend far more time already doing other things than preparing to equip you for the work of the ministry. Because let's just be honest. There's a whole bunch of you here today that are not doing the work of service for the Lord. Amen? I'm not giving any amens today. I mean, I'm serious. You know, it's crazy to me that we have raised up A generation, maybe several generations of what I would call so-called believers. So-called, because there's no fruit in your life to prove it. So-called believers that claim to be walking with Jesus Christ and loving Him when the truth is, is they love themselves and they love the world far more than they love Jesus Christ. Far more. Because they don't ever do anything in His name. And they don't have any intentions to. And when they come to church and they leave and they say, boy, Pastor, you just stepped on my toes today. I'm afraid many times what they're saying to me is, I got my weekly dose of guilt so I feel better about my life with Jesus. Thanks. I'll see you next week. Don't bother me till then. Maybe not, but probably. Man, it's interesting to me that God says I've given these men as gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. Man, how does a pastor equip a saint? Do I go out and tell you how to do a ministry? Is that what I'm supposed to do? No way. I don't have time. I couldn't tell you how to do every single ministry we have to do. I'd spend all my time describing. I'd have to go from cutting grass, to painting a building, to sharing the gospel, to praying to ministering to the hungry or the needy or the broken or the hurting i'd have to have a little job description ministry description for every kind of ministry you could fathom that's not what it's talking about how do i equip you for the work of the ministry well honestly there's two pretty simple ways first of all i need to teach you the word of god second timothy 3 16 and 17 says all scripture is inspired by god And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And Check this out. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now let me ask you, when it comes to the work of the service for the building up of the kingdom of God, are we talking about physical work? Or are we talking about spiritual work? You know the answer? Spiritual work. We're talking about spiritual work. Now here's a whole nother shift within the body of Christ that we've got to understand. You've got to understand that God, if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that God has equipped you to do spiritual work. Most of us don't want to do spiritual work. Spiritual work's hard, isn't it? It's a whole lot harder than physical work. Anybody can paint a building. Anybody Even me, I did some painting yesterday. I promise you, it's a whole lot easier than having to humble yourself and love somebody or humble yourself and serve somebody or humble yourself and share the gospel with somebody or pray with somebody who's broken or pray with somebody who's dying or give your life away to go to a Congo or Bulgaria or somewhere else. Anybody, anybody can do physical work. Listen, if you think that God has called you and your spiritual gift is physical work around the church, maybe. But let me be careful about how I say this. If you think that's all you can do around the body of Christ is to clean or paint or whatever you do every now and then, understand that you're probably missing it at a really deep level. You can certainly paint. If you're not painting for the glory of Jesus Christ, that people will be saved and lives will be changed, you are painting for the wrong reason. Amen? Man, I equip you by teaching you the Word of God so that you can know the will of God and know the ways of God and know the purpose of God and walk with God to transform this church and this world for Jesus Christ. That's part of the way I equip you. The other part is prayer. In Acts chapter 6, when the dissension arose between the Hellenistic Jews and the, the native Hebrew Jews and how their widows were being treated, <clears throat> the apostles said, well, you need to choose seven good men, spirit-filled men, to take care of the problem. Why? Because we will vote, devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Do you know why part of my job is equipping you is prayer? Because honestly, first of all, if I don't pray, the Word of God doesn't make any difference anyway. It's all His power. It's all His Spirit that makes the difference. But truth is, is I need to be praying for you. I need to be praying for you and where you are. That God might continue to develop in you a relationship with Him and a knowledge of Him and an understanding of Him and a power within your life that I, by the way, will give an account for. Hebrews 13 says, I shepherd pastor will give an account for your soul did you know that man did you understand do you really get it the fact that God has given me as a gift to you and I'm not trying to be arrogant please I hope you understand that I don't I don't very often ever see myself as a gift it's not about me and my understanding it's about reality is that God has given me as the pastor of this church as a gift to equip you for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. Because here's what happens if God will give me the freedom, if you'll give me the freedom, and you do, you're, you're very gracious to me to spend time in the Word and in prayer that I might impact you then God enables you to go out and do the work and the service to the building up of the body. Man, God wants you, if you are a believer, to be about building up the body of Christ. Not just me. That's part of what I do. But He wants you, every single one of you believers, to be about the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. No excuses. I mean, you don't get to check out because you don't like the thought. You don't get to deny that just because you're lazy, or just because you're selfish, or just because you're afraid. It doesn't make any difference. It's not my idea. God says, my job is to equip you, and your job is to do the work of the service and build up the kingdom. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, again, two simple ways. If you're going to build up the kingdom, one of the ways is to go out and reach people with the gospel. That's how the body of Christ grows, does it not? Every time somebody's born again, the body of Christ grows. Part of your job as being a disciple of Jesus Christ is to share the truth of Jesus Christ with the lost people in your lives. Your job. Not my job. That's part of my job as an individual disciple of Jesus Christ, but that's your job. Second thing is, if you're going to build up the body of Christ, is you are responsible to help everybody else at College Heights grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ, strengthen in their walk with Jesus Christ, be encouraged in their struggles, grow in their faith, just strengthening the body. You are responsible, you, for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ. Not just you. The body. Does that not once again show us the importance that God places on the body? Man, some of you are going, Pastor, man, I, I can barely survive my own walk with Jesus. Let alone help somebody else. Well, listen, you'd be surprised how many people might need to hear what you're struggling with and how you're handling it and how in the midst of that you've found the grace and the depth and the breadth of God in the midst of your struggles. You think it's okay to just keep it to yourself? I'm here to tell you we need you. We need you. We need you. We don't just need you to do the physical work that's so easy and so cheap that comes without any prayer, any sacrifice, any hurt, any vulnerability. We don't, we don't need that. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If these buildings fell in shambles today, if somehow we would lose all the property that we own today, if all that stuff disappeared, the church would still be the church. There would be no difference in the church. And we would still need you to be building up the body of Christ. Just like supposedly you would be doing the day before. And are you about the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ? Because if you're not, then just simply put, you need to repent. You need to repent. That means you need to change. I'm not trying to tell you you're just wrong. I'm telling you you need to do something to change your actions that you might be about what God has called you to be about. Well, he goes on. He says, verse 13, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. What is God's purpose in this? Why did God give those that would equip the saints for the work of the service? Why does he call us to build up the body of Christ? He calls us to build up the body of Christ so that we can all attain to the unity of the faith. And that's a simple thought now, faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about saving faith. I'm talking about a unity in the faith of Jesus Christ, of who He is and what He wants to accomplish and what His Word has to say. All of us ought to be building up as a body, till we are walking together with the understanding of who Christ is as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Every single one of us ought to be displaying in our lives the fact that Jesus Christ is Sovereign Lord, that He alone is Savior, that He alone is Provider, that He alone is good, that He's the one to turn to when the trials come, that He's the one to deal with the suffering, that He's the one we look to and everything, every single one of us as part of the body of Christ, ought to be growing to, to the place where we are unified in who Christ is and what He's done and how we can trust Him. Is it possible to get there? It's possible. It's possible. There's no question that it's possible. Because that's the goal of what God says as I equip you and you do the work of the service and the body of Christ grows. That's possible. But it's not possible if you're not doing your part. And it's not possible if I'm not doing my part. And it's certainly not possible if we don't care about one another. And if we don't care about the church, it's not possible. Man, he wants us to grow to the unity of the faith. And and not only that, but he says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. And man, I love the Apostle Paul. You think Paul was a mature believer? Would you think so? I'd think so, wouldn't you? But don't you love what he says in Philippians 3, one of my favorite passages? It says, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, man, I count everything but loss. I count it all rubbish for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. He talked about a transformation in understanding within the local body of Christ and within the individual believer within Christ. And I don't know what we think we're growing for. And I don't know what we think the point of our Christian life is. And I certainly don't know what we think the point of having a church is. But the truth is, is it's pretty clear here. Unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. You want a goal in your life and a goal to help somebody else within College Heights? Have the goal to help them come to know Christ Jesus more and more, day by day, which is going to take more than half-hearted, impure, unconcerned, apathetic, indifferent attitudes that often get displayed within the body of Christ. It's going to take more. Because the whole goal, as we read on and we finish, says, to a mature man, To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You want to see what a mature believer should look like? You want to see what a mature church should look like? Jesus. That's what we ought to look like. That's what we ought to look like. Maturity is Christ. As an individual believer, your desire is to look like Christ. Heart, mind, attitudes, actions, desires, allegiances, obedience, Christ. But it's not just about you. It's about His church. You see, we're the body of Christ. Are we not? Is that what it says? He's the head. In other words, the picture's simple. In this world, The way people see Jesus is through the church. We're the body. We're literally Christ on this earth in a physical, tangible way. And as a church, our goal is to grow to the full stature of the maturity of Christ. In other words, as a church, our goals ought to be Christ's goals. Our love ought to be Christ's love. Our willingness to sacrifice ought to be total. Our willingness to put aside everything else that would hinder us from a relationship with God. Our willingness ought to be everything. That's what He's calling us to. But can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine what would happen if not just College Heights but the church in Enid, Boyd Avenue, First Southern, Mountain View, Sunrise. Obviously, we're just talking Baptist churches now, but can you imagine if the church worldwide got the picture of what God wants to do in her and we began to shed all the worldly things, And we began to shed all the selfish things. And we began to shed all the fleshly desires and all the garbage that has hindered us. And we began to let God really grow us into the full stature of His image. Can you imagine the difference that the church would make in America today? If you've been whining and crying about all the political unrest and looking for someone in politics to give the answer to the brokenness in America, can I tell you that you have missed the mark by a mile? It's the church. It's the church. It's our job to transform the world. It's not the politics, they're not Savior. It's Christ in us. Can you imagine what would happen around the world? to the 11 million orphans if the body of Christ would shed all the garbage that has hindered us and we would begin to grow into the image of Jesus Christ does God love orphans in this world oh, you better believe it <clears throat> you better believe it and I'm not just talking about social gospel I'm talking about right relationship the church to God now I want to ask you again as we finish up here Have you got a picture of the church yet? Have you figured out that God has something bigger for you than just whatever selfish desires you have conjured up this morning? Have you figured out that God, and we're going to talk more about spiritual gifts, by the way, but have you figured out that God has gifted you uniquely through the power of His Spirit to work together as a body to accomplish ministry that cannot be described with mere words. Have you figured that out? And have you figured out that if you are neglecting your gift and the work that God has called you to, the spiritual work, that because of that, not only are everybody else around you suffering, literally, don't, don't think I'm making this up, Every other believer at College Heights suffers if you don't do what God's called you to do. And the world out there suffers because God, you're not doing what God's called you to do. Have you figured out that that's a, not just a burden, but a great privilege? The privilege that God would call you to build His kingdom and to transform lives. You want a purpose to get up in the morning that's a little deeper than just the routine you're used to. Begin to see God's purpose for you as a believer. And begin to ask God, where is it that I need to be serving and using my gift? And honestly, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I believe there's probably church members, no doubt about it, that don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never, ever, ever displayed any fruit in your life. And here's the real kicker. And you know, you've never had any desire to. No desire. And if that's you, do you realize how empty and broken your life is? And that somehow you've depended on yourself at some level that you cannot fulfill. And you need Jesus in your life. Yeah, He's calling you to give it all up. Everything to follow Him. He's calling you. But if you do, not only will He forgive you of all your sins, but He'll give you a reason to live like you've never known. Man, would you respond to Jesus this morning? Let's pray. Father, I love You. And thank You for Your Word. Lord, it's simple. And yet, Father, Your Word is calling us to a complete overhaul of our understanding and and honestly a complete transformation of our allegiance father god i thank you for your church and i thank you for the plan that you have for her she is glorious because she's yours and you've given yourself up for her i ask lord jesus that we would have a high view of your church so high that we would recognize the importance of fulfilling the role that You've given us. And I ask for those that are here this morning that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, that Father, they might recognize that Jesus died for their sins and rose again on the third day, that through faith in Him, they might be made new. They might be washed of their sins and become a new person, a child of God, and have everlasting life. Lord God, I pray for them that today might be the day of their salvation. I worship you, Father, and may you be exalted as we respond to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand as we respond this morning.